When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focused Podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez. Joining me, per usual, David Gasper. Uh, it's really hot over here in Southern California. We're in the hundreds. How is uh, the Milwaukee summer treating you so far, David? Uh, it's pretty comfortable. Uh, you know, 75, you know, 80, not, not much more than that. Got a little bit of rain the other day, so, you know, things are, things are good. Grass is yeah, green. This is where the tables have turned, right? I got to make yeah. fun of you in the wintertime, and then yeah. you get to make fun of The grass is now greener on the other side. It is. It gets pretty hot there, though, right? In the summer, it'll still get pretty high. I mean, decent. I mean, it's more about the humidity that's the the actual issue, if that ever happens. Right, right. Yeah, we're at a, a couple days here of 100 degrees, but um, I don't care. I got summer vacation coming up, so I'm pretty content. Um, welcome to the podcast. We have a interesting show because in a few weeks, we have the MLB Amateur Draft. Is that what it's called now? Amateur draft, right? That's still yeah. Amateur first year player rule sure. four, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> rule four, draft. very nice, impressive. Um, we are going to do some previewing of the draft when it gets a little bit closer. But today, what I wanted to do was take a look at some of the years past and see what the draft looks like when it's all said and done. See if we can gather anything. See if the hits have been a little bit more accurate as we go, or if it's still kind of the crapshoot that. I always tend to think it is where, as opposed to, let's say, the NBA draft or the NFL draft, where, what, the success rate in those is I uh, 75%? We're not experts in that field. I don't know, but most of those guys, I mean, they, they'll play in the league or whatever yeah. right away. Like a first round. Baseball, half the first rounders yeah. generally don't even make it. Don't even make it, yeah. So, like, in football, first round pick, baseball, first round pick are much different things. But... That just makes it more intriguing to me. We got to figure out who's for real and who's, you know, taking advantage of that high school pitching that actually is not a major leaguer. So we're going to take a look at some of the past drafts and go over that. But first, it's been a whole week. Last time I spoke to you, we had not seen Mr. Wander Franco play a game in the major leagues. And now we've seen him play a handful of games. So what are your first impressions? Tell me about how you felt when you saw him for the first time, all those feelings that rushed to your brain, I'm sure that many did. You know, all, all the warm and, and, and fuzzy feelings all coming in, watching him hit a laser beam for a home run to tie the game in his first big league uh, game, first big league hit. That was, that's just a sign of things to come, man. I mean, that was just an absolute shot. Seeing seeing Rays fans that excited over over his at bats and and seeing him like come up like that was that was really exciting to see what really struck me a little bit was how big he looked man he looked a lot bul- uh, bulkier than i remember him in the minor leagues 
um, you know, he just looked like he is a, a grown man already. And he's still, remember, 20 years old. He still can't drink legally. So we're talking about a kid here still. Uh, after that first magical game, which was like, okay, that's who we expected. Uh, not a great start, though, after that. Um, 136 batting average with that home run that you mentioned. Does have four RBIs and five runs scored because he's getting on base at a, you know, a decent clip considering he has a 136 batting average. The OBP is at 296, which is substantially higher than you would expect it at, you know, somebody hitting 136. Um, but did, did that surprise you after that hot start to kind of go cold a little bit after that? Um, yeah, a, a little bit, I guess. I mean, I think we've seen that a couple times with uh, with players this year. We saw with Jared Kelnick. Um, you know, come in, I think Kellnick had a home run in like his first uh, or like in his second game, maybe. Uh, and then he really just kind of went cold the rest of the way. So, you know, the the gap from AAA to the major leagues this year seems to be a lot wider than in years past. So uh, that that's just kind of how it's been uh, playing out. But we'll see what kind of adjustments he makes now. Yeah, I mean. The first two games, even his over three, that second game, still came with two walks, and I was not worried at all. But the third game, and I know we're short sample sizing this to death, but the three strikeouts is what got me and got me to worry about, uh oh, we're seeing a little bit more advanced pitching here. It might not be all rainbows and chocolate chips in this first year. It's gonna be it's gonna be ups and downs, I think, and I don't think he's gonna be immune to it. We're not gonna see a a Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna or Tatis here. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that um, just because, you know, that the power is not going to be there yet. And um, he is walking, you know, like I said, pretty, pretty good. But those you know, five strikeouts and is a lot for him, at least. So um, does anything change in terms of remember when we were talking about who you would trade him for this year in a redraft? Do you think no. he, you know, nothing's changed no. so far? No, no nothing changes. It's too small of a sample size. Yeah, I mean, long term, nothing changes for me, but I, I'm a little bit down for this year. I don't think it's going to be. I mean, do you? I, what do you think the chances are that it, it's a Juan Soto esque type of season? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's still three months left, um, so really, kind of anything can happen. Just takes a a little adjustment. Yeah, um, and I, I think he'll end up being just fine. Yeah, and he, he did struggle a little bit at the beginning of the year in AAA, if I do recall correctly. So, um, and he figured that out <laughs> really quickly. So, yeah, I, I, he looks great. I mean, he looks like he belongs. I'm a little nervous about the Rays and wanting to protect him and, and maybe sending him down if, if he continues to struggle. But overall, he does look the part. Switch hitter, still a lot to like about. I'm still checking the box score every day for him, so... Very exciting. Um, we do have a couple of other things to touch on the news and notes before we get into some of these drafts. And that's with a couple promotions that we have. First one is Julio Rodriguez is being sent to double A. And um, very excited about that. I think it's overdue, to be honest. He probably could have started there at double A. Um, so uh, very exciting to see that. And then we have Nolan Gorman also being promoted to triple A. So my question to you, I guess, is that of those two guys, um, 
did who has improved their stock more with their uh, with their start to the 2021 season? Well, I almost would think it would have to be Gorman just because Rodriguez. I mean, he's already pretty much near the top when it when it comes to his stock. I mean, he's a consensus top five prospect. I mean, your stock can really only you know go so yeah, high from there. So you know, Very in that sense, I, I suppose it would have to be Gorman. Yeah, uh, Gorman off to 288, 11 home runs, 27 RBIs in his 43 games in Double A. I have a, I'm a little, I, I don't, I'm not super high. I don't, I have to recall where we, uh, we put him in our draft. I'm, we drafted him pretty early, didn't we? Yeah, I, I think I had a Julio Rodriguez third. Right, and then where, where was, yeah, we had, let me pull that up here. For uh, really quickly, um, and then we had Gorman. Google Docs. I should have had this up. Here yeah, is. I don't have the sheet in front of me. I have it right here. Just uh, hold tight. Yeah, we had uh, Julio at third, who was your pick, who I would have picked there as well. I almost picked him too. Looking back on it, I might have, I might go back and pick him at two <laughs> if we did it again. Um, where is Gorman at? I got to search for it. Gorman is at 53. So we had him at 53. Yeah. So I definitely, yeah, uh, he's raised up for me because I don't think I would have had him there at the beginning of the year, but seeing him perhaps as a second baseman and now he's already in AAA, I think that is better than anything in terms of even like the numbers, like having him play second base sounds really fun. <laughs> um, let's stay with the C- uh, St. Louis Cardinals because I know you love them so much. Uh, oh, Jordan yeah. Walker gets promoted to high A and this is something because we're talking about a 19-year-old who busted out with a 374, six homers, 21 RBIs, and 27 games only at low A. Uh, so to him, to see him at high A already, that's really, really impressive. So any thoughts on Jordan Walker? Yeah, I mean, he's someone that, I mean, drafted out of high school in the first round. He's someone that you'd kind of expect to maybe take a while, take a while to develop as a you know high school corner guy. Um, but... You know, give him credit, and he's doing really well. And the, I mean, the Cardinals are being super aggressive with his, uh, with his placement, with a pretty early uh, promotion to high A. Yeah, it looks like they're going to be aggressive with these guys as Gorman's got promoted early on in the season. And there weren't, I mean, Gorman wasn't killing it. I mean, he was doing really well, but not like unbelievable forcing his hand. So, good thing to monitor for those Cardinals. Uh, kind of looks like an organization that might be pushing guys up rather than uh, another organization like the Mariners, who, uh, like, you know, with Julio Rodriguez taking a while to get up to double A. But he's there now. I mean, he's a unique case. We shouldn't compare anything to him. But another Mariner I wanted to talk about, Jared Kelnick, sent down to triple A, of course, had a rough couple of first games there. But he is up to 310 now. He's had um, a triple, two doubles, three home runs and two stolen bases. Um, over his last 10 games for Triple A Tacoma, so giving you a taste of everything to come. This isn't really news or notes or anything. It's just your friendly reminder. Don't forget about him. Um, try and see if somebody is still frustrated with Mr. Kelnick to get him quickly, because that's going to dry up soon. Um, another guy that had a recent promotion was Reed Detmers. He racked up 16 strikeouts the other day, although he did give up five runs in the process which is tough to do in the minor leagues it's kind of an awkward line imagine striking 16 guys out while still being in long enough to do that while giving up five runs that was kind of fascinating to me so um yeah reed detmers anything you want to add to those guys reed detmers jared kelnick before i move on um 
Did did we talk about Ethan Small's promotion last week? No, we did not. Yeah, Ethan Small promoted from AA up to AAA. Had a um, sub-2 ERA um, on the season in Biloxi. Double uh, A Bluxy had a 0.37 ERA, I believe, and four starts in the month of June. Um, and then he ended up getting moved up to Triple A. So now he's in the rotation with the Nashville Sounds, and uh, he's in a position to possibly help out the uh, the big league Brewers at some point this year, possibly out of the bullpen, possibly in the rotation. We'll see if a spot opens up at some point later on. But uh, now he's moving on up, and he's just a level away. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't remember in the past. Maybe you can correct me, but these promotions seem really uh, quick for a lot of these guys. Like, I don't remember promotions happening until like All Star break type of stuff. It seems like yeah. this year, maybe with the pandemic and like, oh, you know. Yeah, because I mean, like not having the the development year last year, a lot of these guys not being able to to play in actual games, and only so many were at the alternate training sites. You know, it was really kind of tough to tell you know, development, development wise, where these guys should be. So, yeah. you know, some of them might've been a little bit lower than they should have been. Some should have been, some were higher than they should have been. Um, some teams might've just played it a little bit safer with a lot of prospects. Um, so that's where kind of after two months or what, <clears throat> after one month or two months, um, then they kind of realized like, okay, he, he should be a level above this or whatever. Yeah. Um, another guy I think is getting promoted, maybe even by the time we speak next week, that's Bobby Witt Jr. at AA. I just wanted to mention it. He's crushing it. Like every day I'm looking at the the top 100 guys, and he is just like getting three hits, four hits, and busting home runs, and he's stealing bases. Um, just absolute studs. So um, I'm getting a little bit more confident that we might even see him this year. So I, I can't wait to see Bobby Witt Jr. Um very, very high on him. Um, and then lastly, one last thing. This came out, I think, either like today or yesterday. Uh, Jason Dominguez is finally going to make his professional debut here. Um, it's probably happening right now as we speak, to be honest, and, and uh, for the Yankees. So, uh, Jason Dominguez, are, what are you looking for for him as he makes his debut? Uh, I'm going to be looking to see where that strikeout rate is because I'm mean, just mm. with kind of the – the bat that he has and just kind of how he swings, I would anticipate a, a higher strikeout rate. So, you know, g- going to keep an eye on that, see how often he makes contact. Um, that, that's, I think, going to be key for him going forward. But, yeah, Arizona Arizona Complex League, Florida Gulf Coast League starting up this week. So we're finally getting the the rookie season ball, the, the short season ball started. And, frankly, I've never been more excited for a short season rookie ball campaign to begin absolutely yeah i i am i have my finger on the arrow up for jason dominguez he just has to like you said not strike out eight times in his first four games or something like that and uh, if he pops a home run or two i mean the buzz is just going to go nuts as soon as he if he bashes three or four home runs here in the first couple weeks it's just going to go crazy with him so um, I, I don't I don't even know what to tell you in terms of advice because anybody who has Dominguez is holding on to him and if you want to acquire him you have to pay a sky high price just like his his baseball cards right now like if you want a Jason Dominguez first Bowman you have to pay an extraordinary price and it's almost not worth it because there is still a high risk that he, he turns into nothing and yeah uh, that's that's a high price to pay you know do you want to put your organization in terms of your dynasty team 
on ice <laughs> waiting for him if and then it might never happen but man it, fun to have him i think we got everybody like who are we missing now i mean we're going to be able to check the the top 100 list and see everybody play on on any given night very good time to be a prospects 1500 reader or listener so congratulations for being you if you are one of those <laughs> all right that's going to do it for the news and notes next we are going to discuss a couple of drafts that have already taken place as we prepare for the 2021 draft that's happening here on July 7th, if I'm not mistaken. July 11th. July 11th. I was mistaken. 11th through the 13th. 7-11th. Yes. So uh, we got some previewing to do, some prepping for that to get you all started because that's the next big part if you are into the minor leagues. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and discussing that after this. And we are back. Alex Sanchez here, David Gasper. We are talking MLB draft. It is just around the corner. Very, very excited to get into this. Um, I, I don't know what it is about the draft. I think what I enjoy the most about the MLB draft is <clears throat> these guys that you are going to know about before anybody else does. I think that's my favorite part in that. You know, you're going to go to work the next day. Nobody's going to know these guys. You know, your average baseball fan is not going to be paying attention. And then yet you're going to have all this wealth of knowledge. And, and for me, I just like knowing things that other people don't. It makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> but um, what about you, David? What do you think that uh, what draws you to the MLB draft each year? What do you what do you enjoy? I mean, I love like the the team building like aspect of it. Cause, I mean, the draft is the foundation of your organization. You know, it is the guys that you're going to have be your your big league, you know, star players of the future or your role players or your trade chips of the future. Like it is, you know, like, you know, all this like building of, of teams and farm systems and rebuilding, like the draft is at the very, very core of that. Like you can trade your current guys for, you know, prospects from other systems, from other teams. But, you know, it's really kind of all about, like, the the best way to do it is to just draft your own and, and get yeah. good players that way. So just kind of, you know, looking at, you know, the the prospects and, like, you know, who's the best player and, you know, what, what do all these different prospects bring and what does your team or this other team drafting them mean for, for their plans for the future or, or their plans for this guy or um, whatever else, like, just – it's it's building the foundation uh, of a team and just seeing where all these guys go um, and, and what your team is going to end up doing and, and what kind of talent they're going to add and who might be your next superstar of, of your team and, and whose jersey you might buy at the team store and things like that. It's just it's just kind of really exciting to like see it, even though it's going to be you know, a couple years before any of those guys make it up there. But it, I think that's also part of what you said, knowing about those guys first and seeing it happen like first um, and, and kind of getting excited. It's like, oh, yeah, they brought in this guy and and no yeah. one else really kind of knows like, OK, who's that guy? Yeah, because like prospects get called up all the time. And I feel like those people that just watch the major league level and they're like, oh, we have this new prospect coming up. And we're like, oh, bro, <laughs> he's not going to do anything. Uh, or it's like a superstar and you know this guy's going to be a stud and you just like, just watch this guy. Just watch this guy. That's really, really cool to see. Um, and also going back to like the team building, if you have a team that's really good at drafting, it's really exciting because I'm taking a look at my Atlanta Braves roster right now. 
You know, we got Austin Riley. We have Ozzy Albies. Now, some of these aren't drafted, but still uh, Acuna, Freeman, um, you know, Soroka before uh, the bad news we got about him. But like these are all guys that were drafted or signed in some cases. And then we you just see them come up and, and grow and develop and you almost like grow a relationship with them. I know it's not a, a real one. Don't get me. I'm not saying that in any regard, but like you get to you see them grow and develop. And, you know, for me, like Austin Riley, I mean, that was the first draft where I really was looking at every pick. You know, I would always look at the first round pick or the second round pick, but looking every pick at the, the Braves were doing and seeing a guy like Austin Riley. And, oh, the big thing with him was, is he going to be a pitcher? Is he going to be a infielder? And then, OK, and then he comes out. He's an infielder, slugs a bazillion home runs in his debut and then. I, you know, I'm falling in love with him. And then the next year he struggles and then he's, he can't play <laughs> deep. And, and then we now, break up and yeah, then we get and, back together. And then uh, boom. And then he comes up to the majors. He happened to get off to a fantastic start. And, and so that sort of getting to know your players just gets you to love your team even more. Um, not as <laughs> we probably don't need to love our teams anymore. If anything, we need to love our teams a little bit less, but um, <laughs> it's just, it's really cool to see. So, what we're doing here today is taking a look at a couple of drafts. Um, I think I'm, I've picked a strong one and a couple of, you know, a weak one and maybe even an average one if you want to. We'll try to get through three years here really quick and just kind of see like the guys that were hyped up during the draft process, what that entails. And again, look at the hit rate on these guys um, and see, you know, when you go to your first year player dress, because that's essentially what we're doing here on this podcast is to help people understand their first year player drafts, which some will happen quickly. Some won't happen like mine don't happen usually until February or March of next year. And so I got to remember all these guys. Um, so, you know, if you're doing a first year player draft before you get to see them in the minor leagues, this is, this is very relevant stuff. So I think it comes to a combination of picking guys that you're actually scouting a little bit too, not trusting teams too much because they do make mistakes and don't just go by the, the pick, right? Just the second overall pick is not going to be guaranteed to be better than the 15th or the 30th or even the fourth or fifth rounder. So that's just something to keep in mind. So the year we're starting out here is 2011. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, appropriately enough, had the first overall pick and selected Garrett Cole. So stud, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, once they traded him away. Yeah, that's true. He was okay in Pittsburgh. Not yeah, he was okay, but he wasn't like you know, well, oh, this, well, this is um, this is gonna be the highest paid pitcher in baseball history type guy. No. That wasn't until he left and went and started cheating. Eh, well, <laughs> details, details. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't I don't think he's cheating or anything. Um, but um, yeah, pretty good. But here's a here's a here's a rundown. Go over the studs here. And uh, to remind you kind of, this was, a, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong in your opinion, but a very, very strong draft. Um, uh, it's it certainly a very strong pitcher-heavy draft. I mean, we have superstars here, or at least people that have been superstars. A couple of these guys we'll get to are struggling now, but are still like have been superstars. So um, we have Trevor Bauer in the same draft. We have Anthony Rendon. We have Francisco Lindor at number eight, Javier Baez, George Springer, Jose Fernandez, who I still would consider a superstar, even if uh, he sadly passed away. Sonny Gray, we have, uh, that's about it for the first round. So um, those are superstars. And I'm skipping over a few guys like a Brandon Nemo, 
uh, Nimmo, not Nemo, Nimmo, um, Matt Barnes, Tyler Anderson, Colton Wong, um, guys that, you know, Joe Ross. Joe Panic. Yeah, guys that are have been perfectly acceptable. But uh, I think it's pretty rare to have that many superstars in your first round, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a really good group, pretty strong crop. And a lot of them, you know, pretty early there. I mean, Cole, Bauer, uh, Rendon. You could also consider Dylan Bundy, uh, depending on your thoughts on him. Um, Archie Bradley, Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez, all in the top 10. Yeah. George Springer at 11. I mean, that's all, that's pretty, um, you know, pretty good scouting and just kind of a pretty good hit right there in the top 10. Danny Holtson at two overall didn't really pan out for the Mariners, but, uh, you know, that, that happens from time to time. Yeah. And then another thing I have up right now are the draft rankings. So not necessarily like the, the order that they were picked, but from MLB, uh, pipeline back in 2011, they did have Garrett Cole at number one. They actually had Anthony Rendon at number two. Who again, like you said, ended up going number six. Danny Holson at three, Dylan Bundy at four, Bubba Starling at five, Bauer at six. So the order that like the best players that you know the consensus that never works out. Like teams always go their separate way. Some teams will stay away from high school pitchers. Some teams will gravitate towards high school pitchers. What are your thoughts on that? The high school pitcher. Uh, if you had the number one pick, would you spend it on a high school right-hander? No. Never. Absolutely right. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, it's the, I mean, the track record of it is is really not good. Um, and just when I mean, when it comes to pitching in general, I feel like you can find and develop pitching later on in the draft, but hitting um, that's really I mean, you look at most lineups. Most lineups are like first or second rounders. Um, yeah. You can. And I mean, when it comes to like rotations, when it comes to pitching staffs, you can find pitchers really in any round. I mean, Jacob DeGrom was a ninth rounder. Brandon Woodruff was an 11th rounder. Um, Shane Bieber was like a fourth rounder. Corbin Burns, a fourth rounder. Um, Like you can find top level guys anywhere in in the draft. Like you can you can have them with like very little command at the beginning um, and maybe only two pitches. You can have them develop a third pitch, a fourth pitch. You can have them develop command, and they can be a much better pitcher in three years than what they were draft time. Hitters, you can't really give them extra weapons in their arsenal. Like, you can't make a slow guy fast. You can't make a non-power hitter generally into a power hitter. You can't make a non-contact guy that much into a contact guy. So, really, I mean, your good hitters, they're going to be at the top, um, so I, I would much rather lean that way, um, given the, you know, it's like if it's either a right-handed pitcher or any sort of hitter, um, you know, high school or, or college over a high school pitcher, I don't, I don't care how good the high school pitcher is. I'm taking the hitter. Yeah. As I'm looking through the later rounds, I mean, you're the hit rate uh, on these later rounds is just crazy. <laughs> it's just non-existent. Um, yeah. I'm sitting here in the eighth round and I see, uh, Tommy LaStella is about the only player that I even recognize. Um, so yeah, you're right. Like the, the ceilings on these guys later on as hitters are lower. Whereas if they're pitchers, it's going to be a little bit higher, but if you get one major leaguer in the rounds five, six, seven, and on, I think you're, it's, it's pretty lucky because I'm going through yeah. the, 
and there's just like one major leaguer maybe per round. And I'm assuming the, the further back I go, they even – and it's not even like they're good. Like su- There's no superstars. I mean, the superstar – trying to hit that superstar in the, the 10th and 11th round and beyond. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, you're really just kind of drafting organizational depth and, and role players or whatever at that point. Yeah. And again, for Dynasty and like, purposes... Maybe someone will pop up, but you're not banking on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for Dynasty purposes, like, these guys are pretty irrelevant anyway. You're only really worried about, I'd say, the first four rounds even. Like, I can't imagine too many first-year player drafts that are longer than four or five rounds. And that yeah. usually includes the international signees as well. So really, the top four rounds are going to be what's vital to you. And even then, like that's still pretty deep. I would say the first two rounds. Um, because one thing to recall as well, when you go back to this 2011 draft, is that, yeah, Denny Holson didn't make it, but he still held his value because he was the number two pick for a long time. And Bubba mm-hmm. Starling as well, even, you know, we were when he finally made his debut, we were all still waiting for him to turn on because he was that fifth overall pick. So taking those guys for dynasty purposes is always a good plan because they're going to hold value. And some of them are even just going to have insane value and, and go up higher and higher. So another thing to kind of keep in mind there. But uh, yeah, th- I mean, this is a strong draft. And even then, like we have a, a miss at number two. We have a miss at I mean, I guess Bubba Starling wouldn't. Eh, kind of a miss. That's <laughs> kind of a miss for for the value you're expecting from a fifth overall yeah. pick. That's a miss. Yeah, for sure. Corey Spangenberg, probably same thing. A miss at number ten. Taking yeah. Spangenberg over George Springer. Yep. So let's go ahead and compare this then to another draft, so we can get a little bit of context. Um, let's go a little bit more recent. Let's go to, how about uh, 2015? How does that sound? All right. So, again, some of these guys are still prospects. I think we were talking about this, and you you made that um, note. But in 2015, so I remember this draft being interesting because uh, the Diamondbacks picked it. There wasn't a clear-cut number one, and sometimes this happens. Um, I would say probably this year, right? Is, is there a clear-cut number one? Um, I, I don't think there's a consensus among, you know, the entire scouting industry as to who should go number one. So far, it's looking like Marcelo Meyer um, in most of the mock drafts is, is going number one. Um, but, I mean, there's still others in consideration. Jordan Lawler, uh, possibly Khalil Watson, possibly Henry Davis, Jack Leiter, maybe even a little bit. Um, so there, there's not a real, like, consensus among everyone this should be number one, like we saw last year with Torkelson, uh, the year before yeah. Casey Mize, and and so on. Like it's there, there's no real clear cut one this year. Yeah, and so that was that was this case. I remember this in 2015 um, being the case, and that's when the Diamondbacks selected Dan's B. Swanson, number one. Um, after that, it went uh, Alex Bregman, Brandon Rogers, Dylan Tate, Gaucho. Shout out to him, Kyle Tucker. Uh, we have, I'm going to skip over some of these guys that are misses, but then we have Andrew Benatendi, Ian Happ, uh, ooh, Josh Naylor. Did you see that broken leg of his? That was not fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trent Grisham's a nice one. James Caprillion. This is much weaker because I'm skipping over a bunch, but <laughs> Walker Bueller, Mike Soroka, 
Um, that was it. So this is, to me, this is more of your average draft. This is what you're going to get. One or two superstars, a handful of everyday players and pitchers that you can rely on, and then a bunch of misses. <laughs> what do you think about that statement? Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of, you know, pretty much it. I mean, certainly a little bit top-heavy there with Swanson and Bregman and uh, and then Rodgers and uh, Andrew Benatendi there, uh, all those guys in the top seven. Um, and, yeah, you know, a bunch of these guys, especially, um, like, you look at some of the uh, the high school players, too. I mean, Kyle Tucker really kind of took a while to really kind of get going. Um, then you look at, you know, Tyler Stevenson, uh, Cornelius Randolph, um, you know, some of them, like, you know, they, there's just a lot more high risk with them. Um, college guys generally are a little bit safer. They don't always, you know, work out, um, to the, to the best, but, you know, generally at least they make a big league debut. Um, if they're coming out of college and, and go in the first round, generally they at least come up for a little bit. Um, they may not yeah, have any staying great. power, but it's, uh, they're able to do something. Yeah, and then I wanted to do this with the last draft, and I kind of slipped my mind, but the high school pitcher that we talked about. So high school pitchers for this draft, let's just, um, it wasn't actually until pick 14, which I find that's usually a little bit low. Mm-hmm. Usually there's always one or two that go high, but that was Kobe Allard, who it, in all fairness hasn't been a bust. He's actually like, I don't know, a slightly average <laughs> slightly yeah. above average. Maybe I mean underwhelming for you know a 14th overall pick but you know still yeah but not a disaster not he didn't like yeah. disappear um and then we have to go all the way down to pick 21 for ashy russell um and then we have yeah. uh bo burrows we have uh, Mike Nickerak for the Rockies. That would not be a good pick. Uh, Mike Soroka, the Canadian. Yeah, and, you, and you took Nickerak over Soroka. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and, you, and you took those other guys, Ashy Russell, Bo Burrows, um, Colby yeah. Allard. Took them Walker. over Walker Bueller out of Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Uh, you, you took three high, those high school pitchers over a pitcher from Vanderbilt. I mean... That's just, I don't know how Walker Bueller fell that far. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember much about that 2015 draft. I don't know if it's signability, stuff like that. But um, uh, looking here on the uh, top 200 list on MLB Pipeline, um, Walker Bueller is 11th. So, yeah, that he definitely slipped there. He was yeah. 11th. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Dodgers end up picking him. Yeah, I remember Soroka being a little bit of a reach at the time as well, um, but that was a lot of the unknown with him. There was a lot of unknown. Um, looking down at some of the other guys that go into this, uh, go in this draft. Brian Hayes was drafted um, by the Pirates. What round was he? I'm just seeing. Uh, yeah, he was the 32nd overall pick. Um, Kyle Funkhauser. Funkhauser was in there. Austin Riley, 41st overall pick. Tristan McKenzie right after. Uh, Scott Kingery, even though he kind of hasn't really uh, turned out as expected. He was a second-round pick. Um, Yeah, so this, I mean, this is an average draft to me. Like, I'm getting down here in, like, the top 80, 90 ranked players. Uh, Ooh, Jonathan India. When did he go? Yeah. I believe he no, he was a uh, draft out of high school here, but oh, he yeah. didn't sign. 
Fun fact. Yeah, because we he was a fifth overall pick. Um, yeah, you're right. That's few right. Years That's later. Right. He uh, was drafted by your Brewers in round 26. Yeah, could have had him. Them. You couldn't hold him, huh? No, not not from his uh, college commitment to where did he go? It's slipping my mind. Uh, oh, yeah, where did he go? John in India. I can click on him right now. It'll tell me. He went to Florida. Florida, yeah. Really nice hair. I'm just going to say that. It's I like that I like that hair because it's like it's distracting, you know. You're like this guy can't turn on my fastball and then he can and he distracts Jordan you. Hicks was in this draft. Interesting. Where did where did he go? High school pitcher out of Texas, 105th overall pick. There's a high school pitcher that was pretty successful. Um Harrison yeah. Bader. Bader, I saw him. I didn't know if I we should include him in a, as a successful major league. I guess defensively. Yeah. He's um, a major leaguer. We know that much. I mean, at that, yeah, at this point, when you're getting this low, Ryan Mountcastle, um, although he didn't sign, was also scouted. Skybolt. Yeah, 80 grade name there. I mean, I'm pretty sure they drafted him on the name. Yeah. I mean, fourth rounder, you know, mm-hmm. switch hitting center fielder. Joey Bart also was drafted by the Rays in the 27th round as a high schooler. It's interesting. Um, yeah, so I don't know what this is telling us in terms of the later rounds, but in terms of the, the beginning of the draft, right, it, this one was less than 50%. This was yeah. – and, and I, I consider this to be an average draft, maybe because it's so top-heavy. But, I mean, we're talking about misses here in the fourth overall pick, Dylan Tate, Tyler J, the sixth overall pick. Um, Cornelius Randolph, the tenth overall pick. Garrett Whitley, I guess we can count him as okay. Um, Brady Aiken at the seventeenth overall pick. Um, Richie Martin, twentieth overall pick. I mean, these are high, high draft picks. That like, if we're talking about that in the NFL draft and that bust rate, we would be that would be disastrous. GMs would be getting fired over stuff like that. Yeah, and they don't get fired in baseball for it. I wonder what the like. Why can't they get this right? I mean, there, there's just so much development time to go between, you know, the draft to, to the big leagues. I mean, a lot of it is really just kind of on your, your player development staff. I mean, they, they have kind of some talent. And I mean, a lot of these guys, it also could be injuries, you know, especially with pitchers. Injuries could just really kind of derail it. Um, so that that's kind of a problem with, with a lot of them, I feel. But, yeah, sometimes just the hitters just kind of don't hit as you're expected to. I mean, they hit really well in in college or in high school and then they face you know higher level pitching and they're just not able to get it done quite the same and you know perhaps it's holes in their swings that weren't um known initially that you know scouting didn't pick up initially because no one ever tried to um exploit that against them because you know high school pitchers or whatever didn't know how to so and i think there's a whole Sorry, but another thing to mention is that, like, we're talking high school, and it's not like the NFL and, you know, the NBA as well. I mean, I guess we could group them into this. They're not drafting high school players. They're drafting college players that have a, you know, a track record of two or three more years than these high school kids. So I think that has something to do with it as well. When you're, you're taking high school kids, man, there's just so much of a, I mean, they're kids still. You remember when you were in high school? (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just, I mean, just think about the international signings too. I mean, those guys are 16 years old. Yeah. They're like younger than high school kids. 
Yeah, they're the sophomore year of high school kids. It's just crazy that those those guys are being drafted. And then it's like there's just so little information about them because, I mean, what can, you can't really take anything from high school statistics. You have, yeah. to, you have to scout them and then, like, you, you got to know the level of the competition. I mean, just to know all of that information just makes this such a crapshoot. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the really not so great baseball movie, Trouble with the Curve. Have oh, you yes. seen that? Yes. Yeah. It's really not a great baseball movie. Like, no. it's not really even close to anything assembling realism. Um, but it just kind of proves that point of just kind of, you know, scouting, missing, um, you know, just kind of the whole industry missing on a guy um, and how it just really kind of happens. And, you know, some some scouts are better than others and some scouts are able to pick up on that kind of stuff. And and they end up not taking the guy who ends up being a bust. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. He was a Atlanta Braves. That's why I like that movie too. Oh yeah, how the Atlanta Braves completely screwed up that pick. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still they showed a lot of the Braves stuff. I enjoyed that part of it. It always makes me happy. Oh yeah, that, that's why I enjoy the movie Mister Three Thousand. Yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Realism aside, give me yeah. uh, give me a favorite team being profiled. Um, that also distracted me from what I wanted to say. Um. Oh, that, uh, it brings me to another point, too. When you're doing this first-year player draft, there's no reason why you're going to be better than these guys that do it for a professional living. So if you miss on guys, it's okay. Like, the best bet, honestly, is to just acquire as many picks as possible and and just hope that they pan out. I mean, it really is like playing the lottery. And when, you know, you can have your guys. And um, for all the guys that I've loved at a draft – some some have made it and, and I feel really smart about it and then others haven't. <laughs> and then I kind of just ignore that and uh, I, I stick to the ones that actually did hit. But there's going to be plenty of guys that miss. And if you miss, it, it, you know, if you have one pick in the draft, the chances of you getting it correct are very, very low. So get as many as you can, even if they're lower picks. I think that's the takeaway from today is when you're, you're completing a trade in a dynasty league. You know, those second and third round draft picks are throw-ins for a lot of teams, especially the ones that are going for it all. If you just say, hey, give me your second and third rounder, or even like in Fantrax, you can go two or three years in the future. Just every trade, just, hey, just throw in a third round pick and you got a deal. You know, it's so easy. And, you know, for me, when I'm going for it all, those are worthless to me. I just want the player in the big leagues that's helping me now. So, that's something to keep in mind. Don't worry about that first round pick. You know, if somebody says, I'll get, I won't give you the first round pick. Okay, well, what about your second and your third? Or maybe they have two seconds or something like that. That goes a long way too. So, um, all right, David, what do you want to do next? Do you want to go earlier or later? We went um, 2015. Let's go later. I don't know what that means now. <laughs> do we want to go? You're the one who asked the question. I know. Do you want I to know. go earlier or later? Yeah, earlier or later. But I have to define what later and earlier means. Do we want to go more recent or do we want to go more in the past? Let's let's. I, 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 what I meant hard. was more recent. Okay, more recent. Yeah. See, later I would have taken that to mean like later on in the past. Okay. So words are good. You need to know how to speak good. Nice Aren't you a teacher? That's an English joke. That's an English joke. You need to speak well. I get it. Um, okay. Uh, what do you want to do? 2019 or 2020 or 2018? 
Um, I I like the 2019 draft. Beautiful. I like it too. That was that was the this is the first year where I was actually looking at baseball cards in terms of the draft and uh, Bowman draft is a very popular item when it comes to baseball cards and that actually got me to know a lot of these players and what I assume I'm just going to continue to do forever is like associate Bowman draft and then that's how I learn the uh, the good guys okay so it, it this is interesting to me because like to me these are all top prospects still because you know most of them haven't made their debut yet. Um, so this is going to be difficult to assess. But that's that's the point I was making earlier, right? These picks, whether or not they make it to the big leagues, and we can look back at this 10 years from now and sound like idiots for some of these guys, but they're, all the value is still there. Like, take a look at the first round here. Is there any guy that just, you know, doesn't have value in dynasty leagues right now? I can't I can't find anybody. Um, they're a dart and they have value. Yeah, I mean, maybe Will Wilson has fallen off a little bit. I don't know. Um, I, I I see him top 100 list in a lot of places. Yeah, um, Braden Shoemake maybe. Blake Walston. But yes, Walston. I disagree. I think Walston's a very very um, high end prospect now. He's coming up very very in in a lot of right. publications. I think that I mean that Ryan Jensen would be the only one I see. That I'm like, if I saw him in on a team, I would just gloss over him. But everybody else, like, I'm stopping and being like, yeah, I, I'd take that guy on my team. Like, I would still take a shot on Shoemake. I, I still think he's a, a big leaguer. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, part of that, I mean, yeah, just being recent. Um, Anthony Volpe, even at the 30th overall yeah. pick, he's having a, a pretty strong he's, start. He's to the rising season. up, too. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next round, too. Let's just see if that's the case for the second round, too. Um, I mean, honestly, they, they all still have the potential, right? And so all you, all it takes is finding the guy that sort of believes in him, like Joshua Mears, right? If you came to me, I know a lot about Joshua Mears. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. That's value right there. Yeah. Is he going to make it? <laughs> I don't know. Reese Hines, again, some people love Reese Hines. Uh, JJ Goss, 36 overall pick, CBA round to Tampa Bay. I mean, he's a guy when, when Tampa Bay took him, like, oh, that, that's like the perfect system for J.J. Goss. And, yeah, I like Goss, too. So, yeah. but we know it's not, I mean, I guess there's a chance that this is like one of the greatest drafts ever. But we know, based on history, that more than 50% of these guys are are going to be nothing or like barely do anything in the majors. <laughs> yeah. So who, like, I don't even know who I would like target of uh, uh guys that i would just say oh no no chance like they're not going to make it um, anyway we should probably name some of these guys in case people yeah i mean this is adley rutschman bobby witt jr andrew vaughn jj bladay riley green cj abrams i mean just take a look at our top 100 prospect list we have you know these are like yeah it's, it's littered with these guys mm-hmm. and andrew vaughn Manoa, we 11th high. overall we're high on him that's for sure yeah manoa hunter bishop yeah. On our list. Keone Cavaco maybe could. That's an interesting one, yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean, high school shortstop, um, mm-hmm. possible um, that he doesn't really kind of turn out. We, and obviously we'll see what Royce Lewis does for, for Minnesota as well at that shortstop position. Yeah, injuries. And then Corbin Carroll with injuries as well. Yeah, Jackson Rutledge, Washington. Quinn Priester, we're high on him. Zach Thompson, we didn't. 
but he's been coming around. Didn't he make his debut? I don't know. George Kirby, I know he's he's rising up. Um, Greg Jones, we'll see uh, if he can uh, snag an infield job there with Tampa Bay. Um, I think that's unlikely, but you never know, especially with the turnover that Tampa Bay has. I think one thing to maybe get our minds around here is like these college players that aren't ascending quickly in the first round might be a little troublesome, right? Yeah. Because those college players are advanced. So like when I'm, for example, uh, I'm looking down here at um, Michael Toglia, who I was high on, a, you know, last year out of UCLA, but he's a first baseman. Um, Cody Hosey, you know, we, We've talked about him a lot, but, you know, he's not off to a great start. Um, Ryan Jensen, uh, you know, Fresno State. So if these these guys, uh, Logan Davidson out of Clemson, too, that's another guy that maybe doesn't progress. But, like, I feel like if they're if they're in college, they got to they got to go right away. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ethan Small, another first round that year and uh, he's he's on his way up there dude this brewers draft in 2019 i know you don't care that much about him but like this was probably my favorite draft of theirs in a long time and you mentioned earlier in the podcast about how it's you know fun when you've had you know teams that are like really good at drafting i haven't known that for like the longest time in my brewers fan existence like for at least a decade they were terrible at it i mean they, they were good from from 2002 to 2005, they nailed it. Prince Fielder, Ricky Weeks, Ryan Braun. And then after that, just a series of busts. Matt Laporta, I mean, they traded him when he still had high value. But mm-hmm. Matt Laporta, bust. Brett Laurie didn't really do much. Eric like, Arnett drafted right after Mike Trout in 2009. Um, he did nothing. 2010, Dylan Covey didn't even sign. Uh, 2011, Taylor Youngman, Jed Bradley, nothing. Clint Coulter, Victor Roach, 20. 20- 12 nothing just so bad for so many years um and i had been i had been begging the brewers for years to stock up on left-handed pitching they had none in the organization they had like three total and they finally listened to me ethan small antoine kelly in the second round nick bennett in the sixth round they had seven left-handed pitchers drafted in the first 17 rounds They didn't draft seven left-handed pitchers in the first 17 rounds in the previous four drafts combined. That's how much they had ignored left-handed pitching. And then they finally got it. They got a couple of decent hitters uh, behind the plate, too. Nick Kale, Thomas Dillard, uh, David Hamilton in the eighth round. He's having a really strong season. Um, So this this is probably my favorite draft of the Brewers, at least, um, in a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean that that's all good and well, and I, I it very well could be, but yeah. again, like I, I yeah, I know a lot of them aren't going to totally they, work they out, and I know a lot of people don't care that much about the Brewers, but still, <laughs> that's the I'm point. Though, anyways, to take from what you just said is that these guys aren't all going to make it, but they all are improving their stock right now. So yeah, but you know, but, like it's it's an emphasis on on like the focus of where the organization was, you know, because it it wasn't even an emphasis for the longest time. Whether or not these guys pan out, they didn't even have the bodies. Like, they didn't have the left-handed pitchers at all, let alone, like, trying to get good ones. They just didn't have them. They didn't try for them. So just kind of seeing that they made the the effort to get that many of them, that's what really just kind of, you know, stuck out to me. Yeah. 
looking at the Braves draft, we got uh, Michael Harris in the third round. That was nice. Oh, yeah. yeah I think that one's going to turn out pretty well. That one's looking good so far. Um, so, But, again, you know, you scroll down, like, these guys after that. I mean, you got to stay to the top couple rounds if we're talking dynasty leagues. You know, don't don't pick your guy because you watched a, a two-minute YouTube video of him hitting bombs for some junior college. You're like, this guy's amazing. Let me, let me draft him. No, just leave him on the, the waiver wire. 400 in JUCO. Come on. I know, yeah. So um, every once in a while, they'll, they'll, they'll hit for sure. But, I mean, that's just such a crazy game to play. It's not even really worth yeah. it. Yeah, it, um, it might be best to just kind of use your pick on some, maybe a little bit more surefire or at least a, a better bet. Um, yeah. Because no one's really a surefire. Um, and then, you know, if those guys, like, I mean, maybe keep an eye on them, like add them to your watch list or something, and then see if, you know, if they start playing well, then, you know, maybe pick them up. But, you know, no reason to just kind of, like, waste a pick on them. Yeah, and, um, you know, the, these first rounds are – are just super valuable. And, the, and what only happens though, is that like they'll, they, these guys are going to drop off. So take those, those first rounders and, and run with it. I mean, just having that first round next to your name makes a big difference um, in the long run, even if they never make it right. It's like, Oh, Logan Davison, first rounder still is going to have value even well past, you know, the point where he doesn't, I'm not saying he's not going to make it, but like he's still going to hold value. Michael Bush yeah. down there at 31. So yeah, these drafts are fun. You're gonna the the other problem is that you are going to get some recency bias. I think that's another thing to warn people about is that you're gonna see these guys and you're gonna see them at the top of their game, whether it be in high school or in college. You're gonna see the highlights. The highlights are always gonna be the good things, um, and uh, sometimes you'll get too attached to guys as well. So be aware of that. You know, um, yes, uh, too attached to prospects. Never. I know. Yeah, but not not to say too attached. Because we love our prospects, obviously, but you know, realize that they are, you know, that 50% success rate is is probably even generous. So um, don't, especially if you're if you're getting young talent in the majors, right? Like young talent in the majors versus these guys in the minors, like superstars. An average draft is going to have one or two of them. So I mean, between Adley, Witt, Vaughn, C.J. Abrams, guys, you know, that are in Hunter Bishop, Alex Manoa, one of those guys most likely will be a superstar. It's very un- unlikely that all all of them will be. <laughs> well, it's impossible for all of them to be. I'll just say that. And it's very unlikely that even two or three of them are going to be superstars or like all-stars, all-stars, which is like, we're going to have the all-star game here in a couple of weeks. We're going to have like 30 guys on the all-star team. So where are all these all-stars coming from? There <laughs> only one or two yeah. coming from each draft. It's because we have to have a player on each team. That's the problem. Stupid rule. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's going to do it for us. Interesting little homework assignment here. And I suggest going back to some of the other years that we didn't do as well. Um, even going further back. I don't know what going back too far would do. Like I was thinking about going back to like, I don't know, 2002 or something. But like the draft was so different than it was now. In yeah, each year. And a lot of those guys are probably retired by now. Exactly. I, I was just doing it for like success rate purposes. But even then, like that doesn't help us today because I would assume that the uh, the data is a little bit better than it was even 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I would imagine that each draft should be better and better in terms of accuracy and, and like the general sense if we look at it from afar. Um, 
but still, it's still a crapshoot. That's <laughs> the yeah, too long. That, that's the main thing to remember. The MLB draft is just, it's a complete crapshoot. I mean, most, most evaluators of any draft, you know, even NFL, NBA, they'll tell you it's a, you know, their draft is a crapshoot too, but major league baseballs is just far more of a crapshoot than whatever the NFL, whatever you consider the NFL draft to be. If the NFL draft is like a, is like a, three on the crapshoot level you know like like mlb is probably a 10 on it nfl is probably like a three or four yeah absolutely but that's what makes it so fun when you do draft these guys in your dynasty league or you on to your team and then they do come in to be a superstar that part is uh i think that's why we do dynasty honestly is like to have your prospect come up so that he's yours you know and you you almost developed him yourself and He's been on your team since the start. That's that's worth it. <laughs> and it's worth yeah. all those failures and misses and everything, uh, those pickups and drops that you'll do along the way to try to get that, you know, Soto or Acuna that you, you feel that you you picked out, you drafted. That That's your guy. So uh, more drafts to go over. Next week, we'll do more of a preview of this current year's draft. We're going to we'll try to bring on some uh, specialized guests as well if we can work that out so that we can get some uh, insider knowledge on it. Because I'll be honest, I don't know too much about the draft this year. I Like I said, I usually tend to wait till they're drafted, and then I get to know them through Bowman draft. That's like my strategy, because my drafts aren't until February or March of the next year. But um, I know you've been following it really closely. You've been even watching some college games as well, doing some scouting, probably for enjoyment as well. So um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's something to look forward to for next week. But uh, anything else to add before we sign off, David? Uh, um, not, not really. I mean, just, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just excited for, for the draft to be coming up and just, I, I think you probably should uh, start uh, reading up a little bit more on it. I think it's a, it's a good idea. I don't like the draft that the draft is later this year. Um, and at the all-star break, like, I, I think the draft needs its own like time and place. Um, like I like that they're trying to get more eyeballs on it and there should be more eyeballs on it. Um, but now I, I just think it makes the all-star break a little too busy. Um, so I, I like their plan last year of having it to kind of kick off the college world series in Omaha. But I, I yeah, think uh, like a nice mutual benefit type of thing, right? Where yeah, I, I'll, I'll yeah, watch exactly. All to see the guy and, and then you out. don't have like too much of, Oh, guys are already drafted, but they're still playing their college seasons, blah, blah, blah. Um, but and, and even like now, like most scouts are like they're already like done with the evaluation process. They're just trying to figure out what to do in the for, for the extra month, yeah. essentially that they have, and they're trying to make sure that they don't over analyze and you know paralyze themselves when it comes to when it comes to the draft. So I, I think pushing it up a little bit earlier uh, would be nicer as well. Yeah. That reminds me, I think uh, another thing to just mention there: the complexity of the signing of these players is so different than the NBA and the NFL. Oh yeah. Um, you know, when an NFL player declares for the draft, like they're going to sign with the team that drafts them. And then here we have all this leverage. And then I think that's attributing to some of the busts as well, because some of these guys are, are trying to float guys down to the second and third round. And so they'll pick somebody that's really crappy right. and they, they yeah, will probably you on up to the first round because they're willing to take less money. Like yeah, uh, exactly. Nick York, of the Red Sox last year, he was not a first round talent exactly. by pretty much any evaluators stretch, but,
but he was taken in the first round, so the Red Sox could draft uh, was a Blaze Jordan yeah, later so, on with mm-hmm. for um and just kind of like save money to sign him. It's like you could just like Blaze Jordan was someone if you took him in the first round, people would be like, okay, yeah, fine. Um, and then take Nick York after, but that's just how yeah, that's the Red so, Sox did it, I guess. I mean, we can't even like get to analyze and understand that as outsiders because you know, it's something the organization is doing, and we'll never. Yeah, and, and, like we don't know what what money like some people are asking for. Like some players, like like they'll tell the teams like what their requested signing bonus price is, and like teams will call players like, hey, would you be willing to sign for you know something in this range? or something in that range, and they'll be like, yes, or no, or, you know, maybe a little bit more, or blah, 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 and, you know, like, that's just kind of, you know, trying to, like, it's like a constant gauge on signability throughout the night, um, from from just what it seems like, and it's just, it, it's yeah. very weird, you know, yeah, and, and, and like, no one really talks about that either. Yeah, and granted, that's not the sole explanation for why these guys, you know, 50% success rate or less, but it definitely yeah. contributes. I mean, there's something to that we don't see in the other drafts. Like, nobody's floating down, you know, Joe Burrow to the fourth round to try to sign him. Like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And I don't know how no, other teams... And, and like, um, like, like we, we'll talk about this more next week. Um, but, like, Jack Leiter, there's rumors that he's trying to price himself down to Boston at number four. Um, you know, he could be taken, you know, number one or, or number two, you know, talent-wise. But, you know, if he's floating too high of a price tag out there, those first couple teams could pass. And then he'll float a, a lower price tag or something, you know, more realistic, I guess, to the team that he wants. Um, and then they'll end up taking him. Yeah. So um, you have we, that happen occasionally, too, for some players. But yeah, we can get we, into that more next week. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If we bring in somebody next week, oh, I'd like to have a discussion. Like, should we change that? Should, what should we do Um you know the the length of the draft is also insane, right? I mean we're we're going back to the uh, the older way, right? I mean they they cut down a little bit on the rounds, right? Anyway, yeah, they, it's down to well, twenty rounds this 20, year. It was forty before. I yeah. mean five last year, but that was because of the shortened thing and and no in person scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, but now especially with all those minor league teams cut, um, the need for drafting forty rounds isn't quite there. Um, and MLB has decided to cut it down to 20. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more next week. So if you're into the draft, stay tuned for the next couple of weeks as we preview and review the draft. But that's going to do it for us here. Thank you for your support and listening. Check out the website, prospects1500.com. This is the Futures Focus podcast. I'm Alex Sanchez, David Gasper, signing off. See you next week. 